So make sure you are available for that. All right, so God has given me a word for us concerning Thanksgiving. Like I said earlier, we're about to experience the great day and celebration that is Thanksgiving. It's one of my favorite holidays, my favorite American holiday, and Thanksgiving is just a good time uh, as a holiday. But also want to look at it, or believe God has for us to look at it, concerning our spiritual lives, our spiritual walk, and our life with Him. And so, title I want to use is, How Thankful Can You Be? How thankful can you be? So we're going to look at a few scriptures to, do, to deal with that today. It's not a whole lot. I'm often accused of using a whole lot of scriptures, which I don't really think is a bad thing. But I don't have a whole, whole lot of scriptures today. But as we get into it, I want us to remember or think or, or just be mindful of the fact that there are lots of places in the Bible where God tells us to give thanks. We're not going to look at all the give thanks scriptures today, but there are a whole bunch. If you have an app on your phone and you can search, you know, just put give thanks in your search box and a whole bunch of stuff will come up. And then there's things in addition to that where God is teaching us, telling us, wanting us to look at this subject of thanksgiving and thankfulness. And so, like, we're taught to enter his gates with thanksgiving. So from the moment we get into the presence of God, now I know that we're, if you're saved, you believe that God is living on the inside of you, and he is, and he never leaves you nor forsakes you, but we also, when we go before the Lord, when we go before the throne of God, we're supposed to enter into his gates with thanksgiving. So, you know, sometimes we have this idea of, you know, storming the altar and, and grabbing the horns of the altar and, you know, shaking heaven and earth, praying or whatever it is that we're trying to do. But we're supposed to go into God's presence with thanksgiving. And so thanksgiving has this very important part in the life of a believer. That is, it's just to me, it's a very interesting part. Like thanksgiving is not a part of our doctrine. Like we don't have the first church of thanksgiving of Jesus Christ. We, it's not a part of, you know, any subject or issues that have caused some kind of division in the church. Nobody divides over the subject of thanksgiving. But it is a very, very important piece in the life of a believer. I believe it's so important that if we don't have like thanksgiving in its proper place, that'll just derail the life that we have the ability to live as a Christian or as a believer. So there are lots of places where God tells us to give thanks. But again, giving thanks is not one of the Christian habits that if, you know, if you took a Christian, a class on Christianity and how to live a Christian lifestyle, you know, there's giving, there's spending time, there's prayer, there's reading your Bible and studying and things like that. Thanksgiving is not on the habit list of the Christian, but it is equally important as a doctrinal issue, I believe. And as a habit that we would have informed to to walk out our Christianity. And I think like it's to the extent that, again, without that Thanksgiving in place, like we can't enjoy or get to the level of fullness of the life of Jesus Christ that God has for us. It's like Thanksgiving is a, a helping verb, right? Helping verb helps the verb, helps us understand, helps fill the sentence 
uh, with context and helps us understand what the verb is doing. Thanksgiving is like a helping subject or just a helping thing that we need to help us get to what God has called us into. So um, I believe it's extremely important, something we want to pay attention to and spend our time on and try to grow in so that we don't miss out on these other things. It's like a little nuance of a thing that kind of affects everything. It's, it's the same way as, um, you know, sometimes in movies, they'll show a person like in Shrek. It also happened in Last Castle, but we'll use Shrek because Shrek is more fun. In the first Shrek, um, the princess was talking to Donkey, and the princess was talking about the fact that she turned into an ogre at night too. But she didn't want to tell Shrek, who was an ogre, that she was an ogre, which is kind of weird in and of itself. So something had happened, and Shrek went off into the woods, and he was talking to himself, and he was trying to get himself up, and he was like, he was going to go talk to her, you know, kind of ask for her number and kind of, you know, get this thing moving forward for the most part. And then, you know, there was some confusion. So then the donkey, who was a talking donkey, found out that the princess kind of had a secret. And so they were kind of talking. And so as Shrek comes up, the princess is talking about, you know, nobody wants to see an ogre. Ogres are ugly. I don't remember exactly what she said, but she was diminishing an ogre. But she was talking about herself. But because he walked up late, he thought she was talking about him. So then, you know, he got upset. His heart was broken. I think he had some flowers. He threw those down. But the nuance was who the ogre was that she was talking about. That one little thing changed everything. She didn't mind him being an ogre. She was worried about her being an ogre. But because he missed that one understood subject of this conversation, everything got messed up. And then they had issues like all the way to the end of the movie and they almost didn't get together. But thankfully at the end of the movie, they got together. <laughs> Just kidding. Anyway, so Thanksgiving is like that piece where if we don't have that little piece in place, that little understood subject in place, we like completely misunderstand what God wants to do in our lives and we miss out on the opportunity to really enjoy what he has for us to enjoy. So we're going to start in Luke chapter 7. If you can get over there, Luke chapter 7, we're going to look at some different scriptures and verses about how thankful can we be. How thankful can I be? How thankful can you be? How thankful can we be? And as you're getting there, Luke chapter 17, I'm sorry, not Luke chapter 7, we're going to do 17 first. We'll be in Luke chapter 7 later. I'm going to use the words thankfulness, gratitude, also appreciation. They're all synonymous, talking about the same thing. So in Luke chapter 17, we're going to start in verse number 11. It's a pretty popular story. Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe not, talking about the healing of the ten lepers. We're going to start in verse number 11, and I know if you know the story, just read it again, because that's what we're doing right now. God might show us something different. Verse number 11 says, It came to pass as he went to Jerusalem, and he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off, because that's what they were supposed to do. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, go show yourselves unto the priest. Now, look, this is really interesting. You got to write this down and 
You either get it right away or write it down. It'll, it'll click in later. Verse number 13, they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Master, I mean, excuse me, mercy is not getting evil we do deserve. Like, grace is getting good things that we don't deserve, and then mercy is when we don't get the bad that we do deserve. Now, these are lepers, and they're asking for mercy. They believe that their leprosy, their disease, their situation is their fault. But they want God to have mercy on them to heal them anyway. And I believe that's why the word mercy was used. Now, that's going to be important when we look at what happens later. So they're already thinking, you know, we kind of deserve this or this is where we are, but we're hoping that you'll get us out of the situation anyway. All right. Just keep that there in the back of your mind. Verse number 14 says, when he saw them, Jesus saw them afar off because they were yelling, hey, Jesus, master. He said unto them, go show yourselves to the priest. That was it. Super anti-climatic. There was no laying on of hands. There was no booming voice from heaven. There was no shaking and jerking and passing out. Jesus just said, go show yourselves to the priest. He didn't acknowledge it. He didn't say, hey, how you doing? How long have you been dealing with this? You know, do you have a family? How is this affected? There was none of that. They said something. He heard him, looked at him, said, go show yourselves to the priest. God can deliver you without all the dramatic theatrics and allow him to do that. That's like a side point in and of itself. Write it down. It's for whoever. God doesn't have to go into great stuff to, to free us. It came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Wow, miracle happened. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back with a loud voice, glorified God. And we use this scripture to do all kind of stuff and, you know, say only 10% of the people you help will say thank you. I don't know. I don't believe that's true. But, you know, we get a lot of stuff from this verse and from this teaching. But he wanted to turn around and glorify God with a loud voice. It says he fell down on his face out of appreciation giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. Now that part being a Samaritan is important. Jesus, verse number 17, Jesus answering said, we're not there ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, arise, go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. And then it goes into something completely different. So this is just like a snippet story that the Bible doesn't really address a whole lot, but there's a whole lot in there. And we're going to pull some of it out. So we find that 10 got healed, only one came back. Now we're talking about appreciation, how we give thanks. And the, the moral of the story is when we are appreciative, we do things out of that appreciation. I think there are two important things that we need to think about, know, accept, or understand about appreciation. One is that you have to have appreciation first. And two... We should do something from that appreciation second. Sometimes we try to do something in the name of appreciation that we don't actually have. Right? If we think our hands have gotten us this wealth, we don't appreciate that God gave it. But we're going to show our appreciation by just giving him a little tithe. Or just doing this a little bit over here. I'm going to just do this just because, you know, that's what it said I'm supposed to do but we don't have the appreciation in place that we're doing it from. So that would be like giving God an empty offering. 
Because God is not counting the amount of your offering to figure out how valuable it's going to be. The value of your offering is determined by your heart, is determined by your obedience. And so we can give God a million dollar offering that has a value of zero. Because we don't have appreciation in place, but we're trying to have some act of appreciation. So we have to have the appreciation and then we need to show it. So out of all the stuff that you get today, I want you to get the, the fact or the understanding that you can grow in your appreciation. You can cause yourself to appreciate more. And I'm going to try not to get ahead of myself. So the 10 lepers were cleansed. Only one of them was thankful. And one thing I think this shows us is that gratitude, appreciation, thanksgiving, whatever you want to call it, is not natural. Like we don't come out of the womb being appreciative. We don't come out of the womb saying thank you. We come out screaming. We want to eat. We want to be comfortable. And if we're not that, then we unleash whatever we can to cause that to happen. We start to kick and scream when we can do that. We yell. We, you know, take our voice up to the top of our itty-bitty lungs. And we try and make everybody uncomfortable around us until we are comfortable. And when we get what we want, we either go to sleep or burp. And that's it. There is no thank you. There's no appreciation. There's no looking in the parents' eyes or whosoever eyes of man. Thank you. Thank you for that milk. Thank you for putting that blanket on me. I appreciate the swaddle. You are so wonderful. There is none of that that's built into us. So Really, appreciation is not natural. It's something that we have to be taught, and it's something that we have to develop. The development is what we're talking about today. We need to continue, as long as we're on this earth, to develop appreciation. The more we develop appreciation, the more we situate ourselves for God to be able to bless and for his hand to be in operation in our lives. Let's look at Psalm 116. Psalm 116 my definition of appreciation is attributing the joy or benefit that we have or feel to someone. So my definition of appreciation, the dictionary will define it a little bit different. In the dictionary, appreciation is just about the feeling or the joy. But my definition is attributing that joy or benefit that we have based on whatever it is that we have. So, you know, some people during Thanksgiving... You're going to have like some atheists out there and just some, some weirdos out there that are going to want to take part in Thanksgiving and they're going to encourage people to be thankful. But they're not going to attribute their thanks to anything. And if you don't attribute your thanks to anything, to me it doesn't mean anything. Like if, if we're all just here because two atoms ran into each other in outer space and they spit out life and, you know, I'm here living this great life and other people aren't living that great life, but I'm supposed to be appreciative of this great life that I live. Well, if I don't have anything to attribute my great life, how thankful can I be? It just happened this way. There's nothing behind why I'm living this life and they're living that life. It's just an act of the universe. So you really can't appreciate without a person or a thing or something behind the joy you feel to appreciate. So we don't want to have empty appreciation. So I think appreciation and thanksgiving or thankfulness has to be attributed to someone. Obviously, the Bible tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from God in heaven. And so that's 
ultimately who we are thankful for. Although at Christmas time, my dad used to say, you thank me and I'll thank God. But however you do it in your household, ultimately the thanks is supposed to go to God. So in Psalm 116, we're talking about how what we saw in Luke chapter 17 is that Thanksgiving appreciation isn't really natural. It's just really based on the situation. You might think, oh, you know, I'm glad that this situation got resolved and worked out. But if you're not thankful to that person, you don't really appreciate the situation that you're in. So in Psalm 116, look at stanza 17, says, I will offer unto thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving. And I will call upon the name of the Lord. There's other places where it talks about thanksgiving being a sacrifice. A sacrifice is something that you do that costs you something and you give it to God. A sacrifice used to be a process. You had to catch an animal, kill an animal, dress the animal, do all these things specific, dealing with the animal. And so a sacrifice means it, it costs you something. It's not just a little, oh, let me see what I got in my pocket. You know, this isn't really going to hurt me anything. So here you can have that. That's not a sacrifice. And I'm not encouraging you to give till it hurts. I've heard that. You're not supposed to give till it hurts. We're supposed to be giving thankfully. If you're giving till it hurts, the pain takes away the thanksgiving. So that's not what I'm talking about. But we are supposed to sacrifice, which means I at least need to get out of my comfort zone or do something that uh, could cause me to be uncomfortable to offer this thanks to God. So when we're thankful to him, it's a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Again, it doesn't have to hurt. It doesn't have to cost us everything, but it should mean something to us. If it means nothing to us, it means nothing to him. And then you may as well keep your little $20 or whatever it is that you're giving because if it doesn't mean anything, it doesn't mean anything. The Bible says in another place, if you were doing your giving based on other people seeing you and, and saying, ooh, look how much they're giving, God says that was your reward. Those people that you won't see again admiring your nice car and giving you a second look, and that was your reward for you know, all those monthly payments or whatever you did to, to get in that situation. So don't let that be your reward. Let God reward you. Here's a little side thing you can write down. Gratitude helps us keep a right attitude. You can put that on your mirror when you get home. And then turn to Genesis chapter 25. Gratitude helps us keep a right attitude. If we don't have a good attitude, I like to pick on the fast food people a lot, especially now because I feel like it's gotten worse in the last six months. But... Uh, some people that work at fast food places, as well as other places, it could be a Fortune 100 company, but some people don't have right attitudes. And we don't have a right attitude, like you don't deal with people the right way. Like my wife went somewhere and she ordered some food and they didn't give her what we paid for. And then she said, hey, you know, we didn't get this thing that you paid for. And, you know, chick came back with an attitude like that wasn't on the ticket or, you know, I, so? And we had to say, you know, this stuff going back and forth. And there's, I had a whole bunch of stories I can give you, but I don't have time. If, if we don't have gratitude, then we won't have a right attitude. Like if we don't have gratitude for the fact that we have a job and we can, you know, create an income, then we're going to have a bad attitude working that job. And when you have a bad attitude working your job, that's a real good way to not have a job anymore. You know, especially if, if they weren't short on people. So gratitude will help you have a right attitude. Now I'm going to look at the negative, the opposite side of not having gratitude, not 
having thanks, not being appreciative, but I don't want the negative part to be our motive, but I just want to see it because that's, I mean, I just want to show it because that's what God showed me. So we're going to look in Genesis 25, just verse number 24. Y'all remember Jacob and Esau? They have an interesting story from like the time they were in their mother's womb, like all throughout the Bible. And, uh, and, and Jacob kind of did Esau dirty, but according to the Bible, Esau was just dumb and he deserved it. In my, uh, you know, how I would show it. Now, verse number 34 says, you, you have to read up later to find out how they got to this point. Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage and lentils. And he, Esau, did eat and drink. And he rose up and went his way. And it says, thus despised his birthright. Esau was the firstborn. There was a whole bunch of stuff that was attached to being the firstborn. And Esau gave that up because he was really hungry one day. He got really hungry. I don't know why he didn't go ask somebody else for some food. He sold his brother his birthright, which is just so dumb. You know, most of us don't have or have not gotten an inheritance. But can you imagine even an inheritance of $100,000, a life insurance policy of $100,000? Who would sell a $100,000 life insurance policy for a bowl of soup, like from the Olive Garden. They give you endless soup. This dude sold his whole birthright and inheritance for some soup and some bread. However good it was, it wasn't that good. But the Bible says because he did that, that showed that he despised his birthright. He belittled his birthright. You, as a believer, have a birthright. You have an inheritance that is found in these scriptures. The blessing is yours. But when we give up on the birthright that God has given us, to God, that shows that we despise what he's given us. When we sell ourselves out for a little bit of this or a little bit of that, God says you despise your birthright. And he had to live the rest of his life in a not good way because of this one dumb decision. We got to keep moving for time's sake. Let's look at, I want to go over to Romans chapter 1. You can write down in your notes, they also address this in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 15 through 17. They, they bring up Esau again and his terrible decision to give up his birthright. So you can look at that later. But over in Romans chapter 1, I want to look at verse number 21. Again, so that we're not in the, the wrong thinking, it says in verse 21, because that when they knew God, they did know God, but they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful. Because they knew God, they didn't glorify or didn't appreciate them for who he was. That lack of appreciation led them to not being thankful, and they became vain in their imaginations. Their foolish heart was darkened. And they became all kind of stuff, if you read on in Romans chapter 1, that you don't want to be. But it started, they became that, like the people that worship the creature. It talks about people that worship the creature over the creator. So the people that are hugging the trees and bowing down to the cows and making up the golden images, they got to that place because they didn't appreciate who God was. That's why I said it's such an important an important issue. How many 
you know, multimillionaires out there are worried about uh, the sky falling and we need to move to Mars because we're going to burn up the atmosphere because of the cars that we drive. And we like need to worship Mother Nature, essentially is what it turns into. And they just call it by another name. Now, if we go to Luke chapter 7, Luke chapter 7 is kind of the main area that I want you to look at, focus on, read throughout the week. I wanted to read more of it than we're going to have time for. But this is another really good illustration and where we get this topic or idea or this question from of how thankful can we be. So in Luke chapter 7, there comes this woman around with the alabaster box. This is the story of the woman with the alabaster box. And there's a lot of different stuff that's in there. It's important. But this woman comes to Jesus. She was uh, a sinner, the Bible says, and we'll leave it at that because there are children around. She was a sinner, like we all are sinners. Well, not, we're not all like sinners. But anyway, she was a sinner, and she saw Jesus. Jesus was eating at somebody's house. She broke this really expensive box, and she poured this really, really expensive ointment on Jesus' feet, and she was like wiping his feet, and and she was just so wanting to worship Jesus. She must have had some revelation on the inside of who Jesus was. And she spent, you know, the most valuable thing she probably ever had to this point or that she had at this time. She spent that rubbing Jesus's, Jesus' feet. And, and Jesus used this for an example. We'll just pick up in verse number 40. Because these people were like, you know, man, if you knew who she was, you'd be shooing her away from your feet, Jesus. You know, kind of trying to shame her. And this is actually when people were shaming, not like the shaming of today. But anyway, verse number 40 says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he says, Master, say on. I wouldn't have said anything when Jesus said, hey, I got something to tell you. I'd have been quiet and said, can we go in the other room at least? Because this is like all this party, <laughs> all this guests are around. Anyway, he's like, yeah, yeah, say you want. He said, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors, and one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they both had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which would love them most? Now, for time's sake, I, I need you to see that he put love there, but why not appreciation? Why didn't he say who would appreciate that more? He said love. So now love and appreciation are kind of tied together. Now, the perception, and Simon goes on to answer, well, the one who was forgiven more. And Jesus said, yeah, that's, that's the right answer. But he was talking about that from a natural perspective. The more we are forgiven of, the more thankful we can be. Right. If you just had a credit card that was paid off, you may not be as thankful as a person who almost got kicked out of their house or did get kicked out of their house because we perceive the credit card. You know, it's a lower value. It's a smaller number. And so this forgiveness is greater than that forgiveness. But that's not how God sees it. Remember, God sees all sin as sin. The most grotesque, terrible, bad sin that you see, God would see stealing uh, penny candy from the penny candy store, which they don't even have anymore, right? 
but you can steal a penny's worth of candy back in the day when they had that. And God would see that sin as equal to mass murder because to him, sin is sin. And so if we apply that same thinking to this, neither debtor had what they needed to pay. Both debtors were forgiven 100% of what they owed. But for some reason in our human psychology, it feels like the more we owe, the more appreciative we should be. But I want you to know and understand, like here's the key to the kingdom. You can appreciate the 50 just as much as the 500. And if you appreciate the 50 as much as the 500, God will see that and he'll continue to reward you greatly because he knows that you appreciate. When we don't appreciate the 50, we're like, oh, that's just 50. Then God's like, all right, well, I got 50 for you, but if it's just 50, I'll keep it. Or I'll give it to them over there who are really going to appreciate it. If you're too good for 50, that's why I don't walk by. I sometimes walk by pennies now, but I'm, I'm down to a nickel. <laughs> if there's a nickel on the ground, I'm not going to pass it up. Not because I need a nickel. Not because I can take that nickel and go do something, but because my thinking is that's a nickel more than I have right now. And whether I gather financial greatness through nickels or $100 bills, I'm still moving forward. And however God wants to bless, it might be a nickel today, a $100 bill tomorrow and a dime the day after that. Whatever it is, I'm going to take it. So I'm not walking by it. I'm, I'm working on the pennies, too. But I want to be in that place where God says he appreciates everything. And when you appreciate everything, not only does it enhance your enjoyment of that thing, it also shows the father that you're not going to belittle those things that he wants to bless you with. God wants to put things in our hands. But if we're like, oh, this is just a close parking spot, you know, it just so happened that I got this close parking spot or you know, they gave me a discount, but it was only a 10% discount. And they probably marked it up 20% to give me the 10% discount. So I don't really appreciate that because, you know, they could have made me pay full price, but they didn't. They gave me 10% off, but it's only 10% off. So I'm, I'm not really going to appreciate it. And we can have this thing going on in our minds where we don't appreciate what we should appreciate. The danger is when we don't appreciate what God has for us to appreciate Man, like God doesn't have to really do anything, but the outpouring slows down. The windows of heaven that he said he would open and bless us, they begin to close because now we're not really looking for that. We're not appreciating that. We only want God to bless us with the big stuff. You know, so we tell him, you know, I don't need the five dollars. You know, we're, we're like shooting craps or whatever it is that we're trying to do. And, and we don't want the little wins. We only want the full, complete jackpot. And that's like saying, God, well, if you're not going to give me the jackpot, you know, I'll take it from here. I'll do my job. You know, I'll work and I'll, I'll, I'll get myself this wealth. But I'll leave the door open. You know, if you want to really come through, then I'm, I'm cool with that. But, you know, I'll do this little part. And that puts our heart in a totally wrong position. Now we're pushing God away instead of welcoming, it, welcoming him in, all because we did not appreciate. So if you read through this story, read through several times, he equates appreciation with love. So instead of asking the question, well, how grateful can we be or how thankful can we be? 
let's ask the question, how thankful can we be? Like, how much more can I appreciate what God has done? How much more can I feel like God has blessed me? How much more can I do because I feel that way? Like, how blessed are we? You know, we, our, our water heater went out a few months ago, and our wonderful, great landlords quickly got it fixed in like seven or eight days, which meant seven or eight days of cold showers for seven people, which is not great. But when you take cold showers, not because you want to for a while, you appreciate so much more. You appreciate lukewarm water more after you take some cold showers. So you could be like me and have to have your water heater go out to have to appreciate the warm water. Or you next shower you get in, you can just thank God that the water is warm and you don't even know what it feels like to take the cold shower and be in that place in that position that God wants you to be in. I believe our gratitude, our appreciation of God encourages our faith, it encourages our hope, encourages us in love because we can continue to be thankful that what God has done, he'll continue to do. Now God does want us to be content with where we are and what we have, but he doesn't want us to be complacent. The thin line between contentment and complacency, but that's not what we're talking about. So ask yourself, How thankful can you be? Continue to grow in thanksgiving and all the things that come from that. That's it. Go ahead and bow your heads so we can pray as we close this off and also give an opportunity for anyone who needs an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. So Father, first, we thank you for your word. We thank you for sharing with us the word that you have that helps us get from grace to grace and glory to glory. We thank you, Lord, that you continue to share from your word the things that we need. So as we asked you earlier, we thank you that you gave us ears to hear and eyes to see and that that will continue so that even after we leave this place and we're reading our chapters and we're listening to you through the Holy Spirit, we pray that you would help us grow in our appreciation and grow in our understanding of what you've done for us. Help us use our imagination even to realize things that we didn't even realize before so that our our thankfulness, our appreciation is increased and the growth that will come from it, we thank you for. We know and want you to know, Father, that we appreciate your work. We appreciate your hand. We appreciate each and every blessing, each and every good thing that you've caused to come into our lives. And we ask that you would show us how to increase our appreciation and increase increase our actions based on that appreciation. We give you the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. We also, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, want to give an opportunity to anyone who's here, anyone who's watching, to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. It's really, really difficult to appreciate the sacrifice that Jesus gave, which was his body, if we have not yet accepted that sacrifice and become a child of God. So, If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior here or there, we're going to pray in just a moment. And we're going to pray this prayer and we're going to say these words. And when we pray this prayer and say these words based on Romans chapter uh, 10 verses 8, 9, and 10, the Bible tells us when we say these words and mean them in our heart, that our salvation is activated instantly. We may not feel different. We may not look different. We may not notice any difference. But in the heavenlies, in the spirit world, God tells us that there is a difference that starts from that point 
and goes on into the rest of our lives. So in just a moment, I'm going to ask the congregation to repeat after me. And I want you to repeat after me. If you mean these words that come out of your mouth, from your heart, God accepts you as his child forevermore. And he wipes away our sin. He doesn't remember the things that we've done wrong. It says that he throws our sin away from us as far as the east is from the west. So he has no, no reason, no want to hold into place the things that we've messed up on in the past. So let's just please repeat after me and believe it and receive it if you want to be saved. God in heaven, I thank you for your son who died for me. I believe he took my sin to the cross and paid my price in hell. I also believe you raised him up and he's alive today. So I accept his sacrifice on behalf of my sin. So take me as your child. I take you as my father. I am yours forevermore in Jesus' name. If you said those words and you believe it in your heart right now, you are saved. Congratulations. You are now our brother, our sister, and we welcome you into the family of God. Glory to God. Thanks for being here today. We hope and pray that you continue to hear and receive from God's word. 